Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. A lady who works for me forwarded a viral video of a popular protest in Lusaka, the capital of Zambia. The protest was occasioned in response to actions taken by representatives of the Ministry of Local Government to destroy their livelihoods, which they gain by brewing a local beer. These makeshift breweries are set up in backyards, homes, and shops. They brew is made of maize, sugar, and yeast, and it produces through some rather primitive techniques a quite potent and widely popular beer. It is difficult to find the justification for the government action except that they have may have forgotten what has started popular rebellions and revolutions in the past and in other places. So they are trifling with the people. It seemed to onlookers who watched the media coverage of the huge protests that the government action to confiscate containers of the brew and to burn with flames material and equipment used by these small entrepreneurs to make their living. The actions seemed capricious, oppressive and arbitrary. If this were a large brewery owned by members of the aristocracy, the political class or the business elite, would the government have acted in this manner and closed down their business? One of the snippets in the media coverage quoted a woman who claimed to have been making this brew for years and through the money made from it has educated her children, has sent them to school. There is something perverse about petty officials in the name of the state taking aggressive actions against little people, destroying their livelihoods, while being indifferent to the impact of that destruction of livelihood on their children and their dependents. They, they act in the manner they do, as if these people are not human beings but logs to be thrown on a pyre they think they own public spaces and sacred spaces. It is their fiefdom. They make the rules. They have, a, they have set a fuse which will one day ignite. And the next fires we see may be the property of the state and motor vehicles driven by members of the public civil service set by people in protest. It struck me that the new politics, both here in Africa and in the West, is taking people for granted and has turned a face of oppression towards a mass of the people. Increasingly, both the members of the political class 
and the members of the business elite believe that the poor have no right and are not entitled to the space they need to make a living and to survive. I found that even institutions and businesses operated by the church and those run by religious people as heads are cynical in respect of the rights of the poor and the rights of the vulnerable. I read with interest a newspaper account of an incident at King's House, Jamaica, the residence of the Governor General in Jamaica. It piqued my curiosity because some time ago in the past I had written about an incident at King's House in which the current Governor General had a man arrested for stealing a kiss from King's House premises. In my recollection, the man was sent to prison for stealing the Akis. King's House is public property. Its Akis belong to the people of Jamaica and ought to be available to feed the poor. In the, this current incident, the union was leading the protest against the fact that King's House has sacked two of its ancillary workers for not having taken their COVID vaccines. The newspaper account which I read suggested that the workers were not obliged to take the vaccine, except that there is some technicality in which the workers at King's House are regarded as the personal staff of the Governor General. But the workers provided letters indicating that their doctors had instructed them not to take the vaccine because they had comorbidities that were not controlled. In the instant case, the present GG is a former minister of the Seventh-day Adventist faith. Incidentally, the current president of Zambia, under whose watch small operators have been disfranchised, is also Seventh-day Adventist. The issue is not restricted to the Seventh-day Adventists alone, but it raises a wider question as to whether or not now that more and more churchmen and churchwomen are entering the public square as leading functionaries, whether or not they are adding any real value where the quality of governance and the progress of justice and righteousness are concerned. That in turn ought to surprise none of us. The church has defined its role increasingly as one to seek to improve the spending power and the access to consumer durables of its members and adherents in the name of prosperity. When prosperity is your mantra, justice suffers. The modern period has simultaneously seen a resurgence of fourth century Constantinian tendencies towards wealth and power on the part of religion and the church. Increasingly, churches in the name of religion are seeking to improve and increase their real estate holdings at the expense of pursuing principles of righteousness and justice. Increasingly, the church and those who hold positions of leadership are not particularly reliable as allies of justice. The poor are left on their own for the want of advocacy from the church in the interest of rebalancing the equation. The vocabulary of advocacy is no longer part of the church language. Actions of solidarity with the poor and making strategic decisions in the interest 
of and in partnership with the poor is the lost art and an underdeveloped skill. The prophet Amos, when he went to the north in Israel from his village in Tekoa, was offended when he saw the oppression of the poor and the complicity of religion. He predicted the demise of religion and bemoaned the context of the poor being sold for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. He predicted that they would build stone mansions but not live in them. He predicted that the future of religion without righteousness would be bleak. That prophetic voice has been lost in the church. The church can only critique the things that the media already critiques and the connections they make remain within the four walls of the church. In Zambia, where I live, there is not a developed culture of advocacy in the interest of marginalized and vulnerable groups. Churches operate in splendid indifference to the lot of the poor. They have become comfortable in the midst of human misery. I have listened to sermons to for the application and analysis and the predicament of the lived reality of the people. The sermons fall short in terms of the quality of analysis and application. The present political regime in Zambia is not only savaging the incomes and stifling the initiatives taken by the vulnerable and marginal groups to earn their living. It is also at the same time removing subsidies such as the subsidy on fuel meant to protect vulnerable groups. All of this takes place in the midst of a deafening silence by the church. My prediction is that both in the West and in Africa, there will be a rise of protests like the 1960s and the 1970s. We will have to recreate third forces like trade unions and the fourth estate media that used to be in defense of the poor and marginalized. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God of justice, will come to their aid, even if the church will not. God will arise and come down to deliver as God did in Pharaoh's Egypt.